from Parts Unknown. This is the TK and J Show. Now, here are your hosts, TK and J. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to week three of the TK and J Show. I am TK. And I am J. J, my man, how was your week? You know, it was it was good. Uh, this weather has uh has been slightly uh you know droopy, but uh, we're gonna get some sunlight here at the end of the week, so I'm I'm excited about that. How's your week? I actually snuck in two rounds of golf this weekend. Two rounds of golf, man. I played Saturday, got a personal best, and then it rained all day Sunday. I went out Monday. I met a new golf buddy, much to the chagrin of my wife, and got in eighteen more. It was a little wet, but we got the job done. Now, in your opinion, uh. Me and the buddies are trying to get together after work. Where's the best Twilight golf that you would you would suggest? Well, where's everybody coming from? So we're all going to come from Hudson. So my thought was Brandywine as, as a Twilight course. Quite honestly, I was thinking the same thing because we have managers meetings in Brexville where I where I work. And uh, that's where some of the managers and I, when we play golf, we go we go there too. Okay, that yeah. makes that makes a lot of sense. But look look at you getting two 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 games in this week. Two rounds, man. You can't beat it though. I mean, if, even if it's it was a little wet, but the back of the course is up a hill a little bit, so that was dry. But when you play between two and four on Monday through Friday at Deer Pass out in Seville, it's ten bucks for eighteen in a cart. How can you beat that? You can't. You really can't. No. And 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 that's one of the reasons why people stay off the courses. Because it's an expensive game. Exactly. But if you can find cheap deals like that in the middle of the day, um, you know it's something to jump on. I I, I can't I can't hate on that. For Absolutely. Sure. And if you're looking for a good golf deal, always check out uh, Golf Now. Uh, they always have sweet deals. Um, you can find uh, usually it's the middle of the afternoon, like when you guys are looking to play. Oddball times, people are looking to play. Um, I played some of the nicer courses that are usually fifty or sixty bucks uh, during peak time of the year. And I can get in there for 20, 25 bucks a pop, and I can't beat that because I'm terrible. So I'm my mid, my high level of golf is 30 bucks. I'll pay 30 bucks to play at a really nice course. A, that's because I'm cheap, and B, because if I know I'm going to lose a lot of balls or struggle, I don't want to pay a lot of money to do it. Yeah, and I agree. And, you know, I feel a little cough coming on. I might have to come out there and meet you in the middle of the day. You should. I know, you know. I can call in and just say that, you know, that test result came in and we need to see you right away. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'd like to, uh, like we said, welcome. Uh, we want to apologize for last week's recording. We did record a beautiful NFL preview show for you. We both sat here and recorded it. We both sat here and watched it stop. We both sat here and watched it edit itself how we wanted it to edit. We labeled it, we uploaded it, and we got three segments on the last podcast of Indians Talk, all the same thing. So we apologize for that. We're not going to go back and record it a third time. Uh, but we hope you enjoyed what you did get to hear, and hopefully we'll have the kinks ironed out this week. One of the major highlights we did uh, have on there in the NFL preview show uh, was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we didn't have that on record that we uh, absolutely 100% trashed them. But uh, you'll find out why we're sorry about that in this coming podcast. Absolutely, yeah. So tonight's show, uh, we want to get into a couple different things tonight. Uh, our special guest uh, canceled on us, has a lot going on at his work right now, and uh, has a little one at home, so we're going to try to get him rescheduled for some volleyball talk uh, in the near future. Uh, we look forward to hearing from him. Um, but we're going to break down the Browns game. Uh, Jay was there, so he's going to give us a firsthand account of what he thought of the game. I'll give you uh, some of the things I thought about. Um, we're going to talk about the week that uh, was week one of the NFL here, uh, recap all the big stories, some surprises uh, that jumped out at us. 
we're going to kind of talk about how the NFL still thinks it's acceptable to have ties. We'll talk about that. Also, WWE has hell in a cell coming up on Sunday. It's been 20 years since that that fateful day in Pittsburgh when uh, Mick Foley got tossed off. Most infamous, infamous spot in all of WWE history. Would you agree with that? Absolutely, because not only did he go through a table, but then the cage gave way later in the match, and he got choke slammed through the through the cage, and his tooth went up through his nose. <laughs> the infamous "Good God, Good God, will someone stop the match?" He's Love killed, it. broken in half. Love it. Oh Love my it. goodness! Yeah, so we're going to talk about uh, the card. Uh, there's been some uh, recent uh, good storylines on Raw and SmackDown that I'd like to kind of talk about a little bit as our geek segment tonight. And I had a chance to witness WWE NXT with some buddies. Shout-outs to Nate and Kevin uh, this past weekend. Uh, it was a great show. I want to talk about it. And I got a like on Twitter from a surprise somebody. We'll get into that. Well, let's talk Browns first. We had six forced turnovers, sacked Big Ben four times, two picks for Denzel Ward. Josh Gordon gets in the end zone, 177 yards rushing, Jarvis Landry has his first 100-yard game in two years. Browns battle back from 14 points down in the fourth quarter. The Cleveland Browns break their 17-game losing streak with a tie. Jay, yeah. a tie. A, a, a tie, but it's, it's still not a loss, I, I, I guess. I mean. But it was a, a, I mean, a tie. It, it it, it's not even it's not even to the point where they they use the old adage it's like kissing your sister this this is worse this is like kissing a fish i mean a a, a tie i mean there, there's so many ups and downs that go along with that game i'm sure you guys had fun watching it at home so many ups and downs to sit there and watch a tie yeah, my dogs weren't very happy that football season started because last year it wasn't as loud in the house as it was on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a great thing. You you were you were upbeat, you were happy, you know, the Browns were in it. Right. I mean, they were there. They they showed us that we finally this season is different. It it is different and and, and it's not the same at all. So But to battle for 4 hours, you sat out out there for 4 hours and the nfl tells us that the best we can get from a game like that and it was sloppy but classic game to two heated rivals a tie like only the cleveland browns could break some kind of a losing streak with a flipping tie yeah and and and, and admittedly folks i will admit to you 21 7 seven minutes left on the clock fourth quarter me and my buddy had thoughts lots of thoughts of leaving because Admittedly, we thought this was going to be the same old thing. We were going to suffer in this till it was over until, you know, we absolutely died of hypothermia for the Browns. So we thought about leaving, but just as we got up out of our seats, electricity happened. So we stayed and put our butts right back in that freezing cold rain and watched all this go to a tie. So you were there. I was at home watching from my television, dry. The beer was free. The food was free. Saved a lot of money. Anyway, tell me your firsthand account. What did you see that you liked? And what did you see that kind of made you shake your head and say, oh, we got to fix that? So the one thing I, uh, of course, everybody's touting on. The one thing I did like was that our ability to create turnovers, our our ability to be ball hawks. And, and the Browns' defense seemed fierce. They seemed 
hungry. They seemed intense. But at the same token, flip over the coin, they allowed almost 500 yards of offense for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's scary. And they they had the bend, don't break mentality for sure all game. But when you're talking about bending, they bent like Gak. I mean, they might as well just came apart. I mean, so – that scares me with the Browns defense that they allowed 500 yards of total offense to a backup running back to the the second wide receiver on the team. Um, I I feel like we really got to work on that. Excuse me. But as far as the turnovers went, that was electric to me. Uh, Every guy that we said is supposed to be a playmaker stepped up. Miles Garrett, two sacks stepped up. Denzel Ward, you guys may not have liked that pick. We now understand why that pick was made. Two awesome picks that went down. So I'm happy with the defense, but I'm also upset with the amount of yards they they allowed. So my, my firsthand account of it from where I was sitting, basically basically by the press boxes, the looking down on it, I thought we looked good as a team. I think we have a lot to build on for what we have as a team now. Weather conditions definitely played a part, but we look good. I, I think we look good. So I got a call piggyback off that. I saw many good things, which is hard to say for the Browns the past few years. Uh, Miles Garrett, like you said, he's a stud and he's an absolute beast and he's a cornerstone of this defense. And since we've come back, Jameer Miller has been the closest thing we've had to a cornerstone on defense and we've got it now. And that's just on the defensive line. Big Ben never looked very comfy. He threw three interceptions. I don't care if he threw for 335 yards. He threw three picks. Denzel Ward looked very comfortable out there. Two interceptions. I think he held Antonio Brown in check. Usually Antonio Brown runs those quick slants over the middle, catches the ball, and he's gone. He would catch the ball, get a couple yards after after the catch, and he was down. He had 93 yards through four quarters and overtime, and Big Ben had to put a ball only where A.B. could get it for him to score on Denzel Ward. So I thought the Browns did a very good job holding Antonio Brown in check. Um, defense came up big in the second half. I would say probably from the seven and a half minute mark of the third quarter through the end of the game, they kind of sacked up, put their hands down and played like the defense I was expecting to see. Um, 177 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Most of it came from Tyrod Taylor scrambling, uh, 22 carries for only 62 yards for Carlos Hyde, but those were 62 hard earned yards and they got him a touchdown from a yard out. Um, they didn't fold in the fourth quarter. They were down by 14, and they battled back. That's something that the Browns of last year in 2016, they just wouldn't have done. Yeah, so if you think about it, in the last three quarters, the Browns only la- uh, allowed seven points. It's huge. That's huge. I like for my team to be better coming out of the halftime that they made adjustments. It sound, looks like Greg Williams made adjustments to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they weren't that great of a team in the second half, whereas they started to gel in the first half. It was getting scary. For, for a while there. So being a second-half team is where I want all my teams that I cheer for to be because you're either you're either sealing up the game or you're coming back and taking over the game. So that was a great sight to be seen. Absolutely. Some things that I need to see improvement, maybe some bad things you could say. Tyrod Taylor was 15 of 40, about 37% for 197 yards. He did miss a few reads. He did hold on to the ball a little too long. But to his defense, some of the balls – they were dropped. They were catchable. David Njoku had a pretty tough day out there. I thought he dropped some balls that he should have had. Sheesh. Yeah, that man needs to get back in front of the judge machine with his shirt off for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, come on, David. You're supposed to be the next coming of a big tight end. You're as big as Gronk. You could be as fast as Gronk. 
but you got to have the hands like Gronk. If you catch those balls out there, no one's going to tackle you. You're going to get yards after catch. But, son, catch the ball first, worry about dominating your opponent second. Uh, I thought that Tyrod held the ball too long at times, not willing to go downfield with the throws. Um, I saw a few uh, slides online uh, where if he would have looked left a few times, Josh Gordon was so wide open, you could have thrown a ball a million miles in the air and nobody still would have found, found Josh. Let me counter on that real quick. I was Being at the game, I was kind of looking at it from a, uh, an overhead view too. There was also some times where the receivers weren't getting open for him. I, I was I was feeling the same way um, when when he was holding the ball for quite a while. I, I was looking at that, and there was a few times that, like you said, Josh Gordon got open, but the, the receivers j- just weren't doing enough to get space that would allow Tyrod Taylor to 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 make the throw. Now, Tyrod Taylor has been known as a quarterback that's a, a game manager that doesn't turn over the ball, so he's not going to try to make that tight throw like uh, Aaron Rodgers would or somebody else would. Um, so that that is kind of a, a detriment, but also a positive of Tyrod Taylor. He's not going to turn the ball over, but he's not going to throw it either. So Right, but this offense with the, with the weapons that they have, though, Jay, he's got to be willing to take those shots down the field. I'm okay if you throw a couple of picks taking shots downfield, but if you, have, you can't just keep throwing these 10-yard and under spots to Gordon and Landry, you've got to let them play 15, 20 yards down the field. And I agree with that, but I think with more time, he's going he's gonna to start to trust these receivers, um, especially I think he started to trust uh, Jarvis Landry a lot more. Uh, as the game went on, he kept throwing it to him, and, 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 and Jarvis Landry kept blessing him all over the field. So I think with, the, with Josh Gordon, when, he, when Josh Gordon made his touchdown reception, I think that goes a long way for Tyrod Taylor to – basically get comfortable, get in a spot where, hey, these receivers are here for me. They're going to go up and make these plays. I'm going to throw the ball. So, And and also the weather, too. I don't think Tyrod Taylor was comfortable with throwing with that weather. And I'm talking – it may not have showed up on TV, but it was it was heavy rain. It, it may have looked like sprinkles, but it was heavy, cold rain out there. So the, the, the play type was more conducive for running the ball. And for some reason, and and I've heard word that Tyrod Taylor was changing the plays at the line, but for some reason, the Browns kept going to a pass play. I don't think Tyrod Taylor was really comfortable enough to throw the ball in those weather conditions as well. Having Tyrod Taylor drop back 47 times, only getting 40 of the passes off because he got sacked seven times. And those kind of conditions, you know, that's that's not going to get it done, especially when we only complete 15 of those passes. Absolutely. Um, And and why would anybody throw 40 times in that condition? I don't know why. 20 20 at the most? 20 is a lot in in, in regular conditions. So so 40, wow. Um, I thought the offensive line was horrendous at times. To give him credit, they did kind of shore it up a little bit on those two drives in the second half in the fourth quarter that, that tied the game. Desmond Harrison had a tough day, to the kids' credit. He did step it up towards the end of the game. But seven sacks he isn't going to get the job done for your starting quarterback. You've got to give this guy time to throw. If he's going to be that game manager and you want him to take chances, they've got to step up and give that guy more time to survey the field. The the, the offensive line also looked a little a little green, as as you would say, not just allowing pass rushers to beat him. I mean, good God, uh, T.J. Watt had a day. Uh, every time I looked down at that field, there was that black number 90 coming through the line and, and then celebrating it, it facing me more often than not. And 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 I, I had saluted him in a certain way every now and then, but um, oh really? <laughs> On the family friendly show, you're saluting guys out there, man. I like it. Well, I mean, you know, we, we want we want to make sure that we are you know being nice to people that are coming to our stadium and show great hospitality as you would to a Steelers fan. So sure, absolutely. I was making sure that T.J. Watt knew I cared about him. Oh, very good, so, very good. 
But, I once found a terrible towel at a Browns-Steelers game. In fact, I think it was the last time the Browns beat the Steelers at home. Of course, Big Ben didn't play that day, but some jerk dropped that pea-stained yellow thing. <laughs> and when I got home, the Browns turned, had six turnovers that day as well, and I cut that towel up into a piece for every turnover that the Steelers had. If I never see a terrible towel again, it would be too soon. And I then I you. burnt it. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, the line the line looked a little green. My my beef was, was the fact that they uh, they definitely had a lot of penalties. Um, the the offensive line did, and we had two back to back false starts to start the game to start the game. And and if you could hear the collective groan in that stadium, it was, oh, I heard it. It was the loudest thing I, I have it. ever heard. I mean, I was part of the groan, but gosh, come on, guys, you, 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 you guys have the ball. So you should know when the snap is happening. Like it, right. it wasn't too loud for you guys to hear the snap count. So stand still. <laughs> and you just brought up, you know, penalties. The Browns had 11 accepted penalties and many more that were turned down. Now, uh, Hugh, Mr. Jackson, coach, this team, we were promised that things like this were going to change. You can't have 11 penalties a game. And this was a problem in the preseason. So you guys, your coordinators, you got to get together and we got to figure out how we're going to stop this. How are we going to stop making these mental mistakes? Because you can compete with teams, but your margin for error is about as slim as it was when Apollo 13 came back back in the 70s when they uh, had that issue with their command module. They didn't hit that exact coordinates. They were going to skip off the off the Earth's atmosphere and incinerate into the into the uh, into the Earth as they came back. That's about how big your margin for error is. It's about the uh, piece of paper, that thin, that thin right there. Penalties are going to kill you. They're going to kill you throughout the entire season. Look at the Raiders. The Raiders in men- past years had had enough talent to compete and to win. But key penalties killed them. Hugh, clean it up. And 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 to, to, to piggyback on that, uh, it, it brings us to the to the Josh Gordon discussion a little bit of how he Hugh can freely go into a press conference and just say it was a mistake of miscommunication. Uh, Josh Gordon should have started, but he started. Hugh, this is your team, man. Like, if Josh Gordon's not supposed to start, Josh Jordan, Josh Gordon doesn't start. If you have to sit him next to you like he's your child or, you know, your ward so that he doesn't go in the game to start, be a man of your word and don't let Josh Gordon start. And that's how I feel about it. You know, I hate the fact that he came out and said there was a miscommunication and a mistake because what it tells me is you don't have control over your team. And you're telling me it's a miscommunication with Todd Haley. Uh, Todd Haley needs to understand that Josh Gordon doesn't start. So why would you call a formation that that would literally bring Josh Gordon in to the game to start the game. Absolutely. I think there's a little bit of a riff there between uh, Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley. You kind of saw that in that first episode of Hard Knocks and throughout it. Um, But I think that's something they need to work through. Um, I think Todd sees certain things one way and Hugh sees things another, and they just kind of, kind of find a happy, happy medium where they can both coexist and be here. Um, Cause I do think that they both bring certain things to, to the, to the table that this team needs. Um, But to your point, you know, if it was a miscommunication, if it's said in public, there's no way Todd Haley doesn't hear that, see that, read that, know that. So that's on you, Hugh. You need to be, hey, this is who can start, this is who can't start. And hopefully this is a dead issue because I need to see 12 on the field making plays because one one catch for a touchdown with only three targets, that's not enough for one of your most explosive players. That's not going to get the job done. And so, so and with that, uh, you know, it came out in the conversation. I was just listening to it and reading up on it and, and one thing I noticed was Josh Gordon did eventually disappear after that first play. 
He wasn't out there for the rest of the series. He wasn't out there for a subsequent series after that. My point is, is okay, this mistake was already made. Why lose the game on it? Because our offense significantly struggled without Josh Gordon. In fact, when, like I'm saying, Tyrod Taylor started to warm up to Josh Gordon, we started to gel a little bit as an offensive team. So for for, for your pride is already gone. You've already messed up. So suck it up and let's go out and win the, win the game at that point. Like, why would you take Josh Gordon back off the field to prove a point when you've already lost your point? We've already we've already saw that Todd Haley runs your team, at least on the offensive side, because he went and like just I mean, on purpose called a jumble formation, which puts Josh Gordon on the left side to come out and start on your team. So at this point, you've lost. Sorry, Hugh. Let's go win the game. And your seat is so hot, Coach Jackson. And I don't care what they say out here to us, the fans, or to the media. Your seat is so hot that you should be in the business of trying to go 16-0. and 0. Not that I know you can't, but you need to be looking. I need to win every play, every down, so I can win the game. Because if you don't win six, seven, eight games this year, you're gone. And deservedly so. And Todd Haley is obviously your successor. I mean, I, there would be no one else. Right. I, I mean, there's just no one else. And I, I think Todd Haley's sitting back knowing that I'm the next guy, and he's he's undermining you right now, telling him that I, I think you're, you're a joke. And that was evident. That play was a slap to Hughes' face. It had to have been. Absolutely. It had to have been. I thought the defense, we talked about it. You mentioned it gave up way too many yards to young running backs, so we can go past that. But the one thing that jumped out at me, and I read this, and it kind of made me upset, Special teams, a kicking game. Snapping on the same count leads to the game-winning kick being blocked. T.J. Watt said it. They knew every kick that the Browns were out, they went on the same snap count every time. So it made that play that much easier to jump and block. That comes down to coaching from the special teams coordinator and from the head coach. Why not have that frame of mind? Hey, change the snap count. Hey, delay it a little bit. Throw them off. You needed everything to go your way in a sloppy, rainy 42-yard field goal. And you're telling me that you guys missed that detail? That is unacceptable to me as a fan. No way that that should happen at that level. That's not a good football team, uh, TK. Not at all. Uh uh, that that's that's too, we're we're over that stuff. I mean, we we want to be a better football team. We that that stuff we know in Pee Wee High School. I mean, on the same snap count, man. I mean, every NFL player that's like that's like throwing a fastball to a major league hitter. They we can all hit that. Yeah, like throwing so, that right down the middle. Absolutely, yep. we yep. can all hit that. So uh, that's 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 sad to hear. And I didn't know that. Um, uh, sitting in the stadium, I, all I just knew was just disappointment. Right. That, we missed the field goal, and and the, the same words that too often come out of my mouth. It was typical Browns at that point, right? Uh, so, so I didn't know that. That's that's interesting. Wow. So the Browns are now off to their best start since two thousand and four with no wins, no losses, and a tie. We uh, the Browns are actually heading up to or down to, I should say, New Orleans to face the Saints team, who's coming off a very very bad loss. Um, Jay, what do you think uh, the keys to the Browns hanging in this game are going to be moving on to week two? Um, and do you see that this could be a game that they can win? I, I think the keys are slowing Drew Brees down, and it doesn't look like the, you know, the, the uh, Buccaneers were able to do that. They were just able to outscore them. We can't outscore the Saints. We, we can't. Um, our offense has to pick it up. We have to all get on the same page. Um, 
as an offense, but our defense, most importantly, has to keep us in the game and slow slow the Saints down. Maybe they'll be able to do that with drier weather. Uh, maybe we'll have more offense production because uh, when I say drier weather, I say that facetiously because they're in a dome. So hopefully we'll be able to see what the Browns team actually looks like because there will be no weather conditions to deal with. So exactly. hopefully we we will get to see what this Browns team really is this year. And But the key to the game to me, slowing Drew Brees down, and having better offensive production, for sure. I think by slowing Drew Brees down, you have to. You can't stop his two biggest weapons, but you can have, you can have to contain him as best you can. You have to contain and keep in a box Alvin Kamara, and you have to keep Michael Thomas from burning you. Yeah, you've got Ted Ginn on the other side, but if Michael Thomas is eating you up, that just opens up a deep ball for, for Ted Ginn. So the defense, you're not going to be able to give up the chunk yards like you did last week because if you do, they're just they're going to run you right out of the gym. It's going to be not a football game. It's going to be a track meet. Yeah, I, I you know if if it gets out of hand, Saints can put up their second week of forty points, which is crazy that they put up forty points and still lost. But uh, um, you know, I, I need for the Browns to 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 slow Breeze down. Uh, I need them to slow Alvin Kamara down. I, I I'm I'm okay with Denzel Ward on Michael Thomas though. I, I think that would be a good matchup. I'm afraid of you know Ted Ginn on the other side to be like Juju Smith-Schuster this past week where the heat Juju Smith just had free reign because right. everybody was focused on Antonio Brown I I gotta get I, I we gotta get, get the second receiver shut down too as well we can't just let them uh, run rough shot over us just because we're guarding their best players right so and I, I look but especially with the way that the the uh, Saints struggled against the pass. I'd really like to see um, some three and four wide receiver sets with Duke Johnson in the slot. Get uh, your biggest playmakers involved early. Get uh, Josh Gordon going. Get Jarvis Landry going. Uh, once you get those guys going, that's going to open up the run game a little bit because they're going to be spread apart trying to cover all of our guys, give Carlos Hyde some big holes. I can see this Browns team against this defense, the way that they played last week, easily scoring 28 to 31 points. Sure, absolutely. Uh, but the biggest key is are they going to be able to match Droopy's Point for point, that's going to be the biggest question that we see coming up this Sunday. Absolutely. There's one thing I, I was thinking while I was sitting at the game, and and I began to hate this phrase that by the end of the by the end of the night when I got home and watched Sunday Night Football, the RPO run pass option. Uh, Sunday Night Football announcers killed that that phrase, by the way. So yeah. I hate that now. But I'm going to talk about a run pass option. I don't understand why we don't have that more in ours because we got Tyrod, who's who's quick. Uh, and he likes to protect the ball. We got Duke, we got Carlos, who are great running backs, and we got great receivers for the slants. So, especially with Jarvis, he's he's a he's a monster on slants. So, I don't understand why we don't run that more. Our offense would be more explosive if we even thought about doing that. I'd like to see maybe if they incorporate that more this week. Now that they're going to be in a dome and they can control the settings a little bit with you know weather and how things are going to go. Um, but this is not a pushover game. This is going to be a, a test for the Browns to kind of see how much they've grown in a short period of time. Um, I don't view this if they lose. I don't view it as a season ending or, you know, oh, my gosh, we're in big trouble kind of loss. But that Jets game on Thursday Night Football doesn't look as easy as it did on paper two weeks ago. Yeah, and, and that that was one of the questions I was thinking. Uh, Sam Darnold looked pretty good, and and surprise, surprise, Isaiah Crowell looked really good. So uh, my question to you, TK, is after after seeing the Jets – they don't look like a, the game to win anymore on our schedule. Now, who who would you think is the game to win now, uh, in your opinion? Um, Cincinnati. Um, I don't really think that Indianapolis is all that good, so I think you're going to steal one against Cincinnati. I don't know how good Baltimore is because Buffalo is that bad. Buffalo yeah, yeah. is as bad as we said Absolutely. they were going to be. 
Uh, actually, they were. I have them in my notes here. They're worse, and we'll talk about that later. Um, I still think you're going to get a couple of wins in your division this year. Um, off the top of my head, I don't have the Browns schedule in front of me, and I should. Shame on, shame on TK. Um, I might, I might, might have maybe caught you off guard a little bit. A little bit. So for me, I will say, you know, I think with the way they looked uh, Sunday. Mm-hmm. No, it was actually Monday. Sorry. I think Oakland is is our our game to win, and and I'm even saying that going out to Oakland mm-hmm. because they didn't look good at all. Um, they looked just as sloppy as, if not more, than we did. But they had better weather. So for for me, I right, think. But I think they were playing one of the best defenses in the entire NFL, and they hung in there with that team for a half. You got to give the Raiders credit for that. I do, but I still think that they're not a great team. They don't have as many weapons as the other teams that we're going to face. Now, the, I, I think they're on the same level as weapons as the Jets, but I think that the Jets' weapons played better on offense than the Raiders' weapons did. Now, uh, and, I'll, and I'll ask you this, too. Um, what do you is – is, are the Jets looking as good as they did mainly because of how well they played or how bad Matthew Stafford played on, on Monday night? <laughs> yeah, I, it might be a mix of both. I was pleasantly surprised by Sam Darnold. I think I understood Crow was going to do what he does. Uh, he may not have always done that for the Browns, but he did show flashes of what he was on uh, Sunday. So I think it's a mix of both, but I think it's it, – it, I will say it is more Matthew Stafford looking looking bad, but uh, I, I don't think the Jets are a give-me game. But, uh, you know, to, to, to the Jets, to the Browns' credit, I should say, I think we're a better team than right. they are. So should we beat them? Yes, but if they lose that game, I, it's not like I was before where I would say if you lose that game, Hugh Jackson's gone. I, I don't feel that anymore. I, no. I, I feel that if we get to Oakland and we haven't gotten at least one game, then Hugh Jackson's gone. Right. So, so that, that you know, I, I feel that for sure. So I, I think they could win the Jets. I think they could beat Oakland. Um, that puts you on a two-game winning streak with Baltimore coming to the stadium on October seventh, and I think that's a game they could get too at Absolutely. home against Baltimore. Because we really don't know, like we said, we don't know what the Ravens are because right. Buffalo is as bad as we thought. So big game for the Browns this weekend. Uh, we're looking forward to recapping that next week. And as always, go Brownies, go Browns. Jay, my man, I got a question. Yeah, man, what can I do? It's two thousand and eighteen. How did the NFL games still have the possibility of ending in ties? Yeah. Oh man. Jay scratching his head, uh, shaking uh, it. I don't even know where to begin. Uh, and 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 when you're when you're your basically your minor league division, your division that you pull from college football doesn't even end in ties. I don't understand how you get to the big stage and allow these games to come to a tie. And and you know what? It, it it blows my mind that we're allowed to to be in a tie in the NFL. I think college football shouldn't end, should end in a tie. I mean, if we're gonna have ties anywhere, but I don't think football should end in a tie at all. But if we're gonna have ties anywhere, it can't be in the NFL. No, because that I just, is the, the mother of all leagues. I mean, you need to take a hard look at that overtime process NFL competition committee. There's got to be a better way. I realize that you shorten the periods to ten minutes because you're worried about player safety. I can understand that. Um, but if you want to do it differently, then I say do it the college way. Start at the 30. Each team gets a possession. Play till you have a winner. Go back and forth. Like in college, after the third or fourth possession, make the teams go for two. But at the end of the day, with everything that's on the line, with all the money that's involved in this league, with all the money that the players make, and how much one game can swing a team from getting into the playoffs or not, 
I would be pissed if I was a wild card team and I don't get in because I finished with basically the same record as somebody else, but they tied. I didn't, so they have one less loss, so they're in and I'm not. You know, leave the ties to soccer for sure. Uh, leave, leave it, leave it over there. Leave it to the to to the other teams outside of our country. All none of our sports here should be able to tie. Well, NHL is fine too. That's fine. They play enough games to tie, but at the end of the day. There, there needs to be a tiebreaker. Go to, go to kickoffs. Uh, you know, kick field goals until somebody misses a field goal. Play like the college football does, and and, and start at the thirty-five and everything like that. Start further if you have to. I, I don't care what you have to do. But when I'm sitting at a game in freezing cold weather, and I paid good hard money on 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 the product and and everything else with it, I want a winner. I and, and I don't care who it is, but I just want a winner. Right. There should be a deciding uh, winner. There should be a decided loser. Uh, you know, here's where the audience comes in. You know, we've given a couple of thoughts. Tell us what your thoughts are, because you can hit us up on Twitter at J, J-A-E underscore T-K. You can download the Anchor app, leave us a voicemail. We'll go ahead and throw that on the air and answer your question. Uh, or you can email us, TK and J Show at Yahoo.com. You know, and 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 we want you guys to be interactive. I mean, you can hear the venom in our voice. It's ridiculous that these million-dollar paid players, for the most part, not all of them, you don't have to. You don't have to try to correct me. I understand they're not all paid that way, but they get paid a lot of money. They should play until that game is won. I mean, the uh, baseball players do it. Uh, Major League Baseball does it. You know, uh, why, why can't the NFL do it? Right. And, you know, both coaches, players on both sides. I mean, Denzel Ward said it himself. He goes, I played Pop Warner. I played high school. I played college. I've never been in a spot where there's been a tie. I don't know how to feel. Well, you should either feel good that you won or piss because you lost. You know, you still have that unfinished feeling. NFL, competition committee, I know that you guys are listening to this because I'm going to send it to you. I'm going to tweet it to you. As an NFL fan for 33 years, I can count on my hand the number of times I've seen a tie, and each time it pisses me off more because those guys, they work too hard, they train too hard, they fight too hard, they play too hard to be told, eh, no one wins, no one loses. No, like manual gym run buzzer. And eh, no. Yeah, and 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 the rules, like mo- a lot of the rules lately, are are confusing for overtime. And if you could even break them down, uh, you know, you, you're you're a genius at this point. And and so the the rules need to be re refined and re and redone. And and we shouldn't have ties. I I just don't understand why college football with their exciting overtimes. It hasn't extended to the NFL and say, why can't we get in on this? Why, you know, I, I mean, when you look at games that in in college football that end 63 to 63 because they went in the six overtimes, that is passion right there. And it's excitement. I love seeing a high scoring shootout. And 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 for me to to like I said, sit at a game, watch a kid get blocked, and know that. That was it. That was the end of the game. This is where we. This is where we, we're done. Either the Browns win this or we tie. Um, that that was a letdown for me. Yeah. As, as as much adrenaline was pumping through me to get me through that game, especially the end of it when we blocked a field goal. No, I mean they missed the field goal. I apologize. When Pittsburgh missed the field goal and we get the ball back, we drive it down. We we get it close, and then we're sitting there looking at the clock, and all of us in the stadium know well we can't lose at this point but we could tie. Right. It's a letdown. 
Yeah, and that penalty killed us too because that block in the back from Schobert's return that put us back 15, 16 yards, and that's a big that's a big difference from a 42 yard field goal take 16 to 18 yards off of that down to a 28 to 30 yard field goal. Make you know kind of makes a big difference there, and I think that you know that that's another reason that you know that, that it was a tie. But uh, like we said, let's hear from you. Let's hear what you guys want to do with uh, with ties in the NFL because you know, like you said, it's it's not worth it. It pisses more people off than what it's worth. And for the conditions you sat through as a fan, I can't imagine the frustration level you felt walking out of there knowing I did not see a decisive winner or loser in this game. Yeah, it was actually laughable, you know, and it's been going around all week. You know, only only the Browns are the, the only team that could tie a game and to break a losing streak. Right. Um, you know, not win to, to break a losing streak, which is is fine. But uh, at the end of the day, when you know, that you you should have won or we should still be playing is is a tough pill to swallow. Absolutely. Um, so Jay, there's a lot, and we'll, let's move on from that. I'll, we'll get to, uh, some re- re- feedback from the audience on those uh, the ties in the NFL. Um, week one, a lot of surprises, a lot of shockers, a lot of a lot of craziness, man. I mean, I watched football all day Sunday, and my wife's so thrilled that I got up. We watched football at one. We watched football at four. We watched Sunday night football. Oh, yeah, and there were two games on Monday Night Football. She was so happy. God bless my wife for putting up with that. <laughs> You're still married after that. I, she is a wonderful woman, and that, that is, is awesome. the, the, the truth. That is awesome. Um, well, I mean, she's got a lot of books that she'll read, too. So. Right. Um, but uh, my biggest surprise from week one, I think, was the beatdown that the Jets laid on the Lions, especially starting that rookie quarterback, Sam Darnold. Yeah, you know, but we, we, we kind of mentioned Matt Stafford that – he just he just had a he had a really crappy game, yeah. Uh, and and that's not Matt Stafford like at all. He is a, a perennial top ten quarterback every year, if not the one of the top five quarterbacks. So I, I don't know who that guy was. If that's 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 Matthew Stafford finally tired of the Lions team. That if that's that guy, then I, I worry for what what's in store for the the Lions this year. Right, because I I mean I had big uh, hopes for the Lions. I thought they were going to be pretty competitive uh, when we talked about it on the preview show. Uh, but I don't think Matt Stafford has another game like that. But I do have to give big props to Sam Darnold. Your first throw in the NFL is a pick six. And then you come back, you settle down, you throw 198 yards, two touchdowns, 16 out of 21. I mean, the way that Matt Stafford turned over the ball, you really didn't have to play all that much or have to do all that much. Um, but, man, Crow, 10 carries, 102 yards. Cleveland, last year you guys – Ran the ball pretty well when he decided to run it. You let Crow walk, and look what he does in his first game as a Jet. Yeah, we and most Browns fans know that Crow was a potential good talent. It's just the way we use it. It was the play calling, and 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 as soon as he gets to another team, the Browns get another slap to the face that we had it, we had a good talent. We just didn't know what to do with him, and so I, I'm happy for Crow that he you know he went to another team and. He's already gelling. It's not taking that long, you know, but as a Browns fan, it makes me at least a little sour taste in my mouth that we had this guy. Now, I love Carlos Hyde because he's like Crow and he will be good. We just got to use him right. Exactly. Um, you know, that game was tied at 17. I, after halftime, the Lions came out, put a nice drive together, tied the game at 17. And then if you look at it, the Jets scored 31 points in the third quarter to run away with this thing. Yeah, and, and they, they look good doing it. Uh, they look like they were the better team, They and, and they were. But they they didn't look like what we have known the Jets these past couple years. They, they've, been, they've been a joke of the league, and um, 
I, I, I don't know. I might have to say they, the Jets might have found their quarterback, their franchise quarterback, finally. Hey, not so fast, my friend. After one game with a lot of short fields to play with, your defense does a lot of the work for you. We'll see what, uh, what Sam Darnold does next. Um, but uh, I'll have to tell you this, too. The Lions still have no running game. That's the last point I want to make about the Lions, only because they have gone 69 straight games without having a 100-yard rusher. If they accomplish that feat again this Sunday, it's a new NFL record, and it'll break the Cleveland Browns 69-game record that they had from 1988 to 1993. Well, don't go Lions then. I don't want to be in the record books anymore. I I, I love getting my team out of record books like that. Uh, So, you know, um, it it would hurt for my fantasy team, and I I probably should take Theo Riddick out right now, but – uh, I would love to get the Browns out of the fantasy, uh, I mean, out of the record books with that record. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now, pedestrian quarterback for most of his career, but I view him as like a Kelly Holcomb. He can just have that big game out of nowhere. We bagged and bagged and bagged on the Bucks, saying Jameis Winston put him in a hole and that they weren't going to be competitive. He was going to inherit a 3-0 and team. And I tell you, Ryan Fitzpatrick must have heard something that we said because he throws for 400 yards and leads the Bucks to a huge win in a shootout. 48-40 over the Saints. Yeah, and and, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, the, the forever journeyman uh, in, in the NFL, he he shocked and awed a lot of people. Uh, kudos to you guys who decided to pick him up as Jameis' replacement because you waited until the 12th round to draft your quarterbacks, and that's all that was left. So kudos to you. Uh, you act like you uh, meant to do that. But well, uh, I won't lie. I did get an email from an app that I have, and it is basically, hey, we're giving out one of our week one, you know, shockers. Uh, for free, we're not going to give you the whole thing, but we're going to give you a tandem stack. And they told you, go with Mike Evans and go with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I said, what the heck? I'll do it. And I did it in one of my $5 pools. I want 15 bucks. So thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Mike. Great job. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and you know, it, this man almost had a perfect QBR rating. And, and if you guys know how to put all that together, props to you. But I don't. I just understand that the perfect QBR rating is about 158 and something. He had 156 plus. So this man played out of his body and, 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 and we were wrong and you guys didn't get to hear it, but we definitely, we, we trashed the Buccaneers. We thought that their season was pretty much over. We, we said cash it in, but it's almost to the point where will Jameis Winston have his job when he come back? If, if Ryan Fitzpatrick does this again or anywhere near this again, this coming week and the week after that, Jameis Winston, you might've just lost your spot. I'm, I'm sorry. And you deservedly. So you lose your spot too. Right. You got to ride the hot hand and you messed up. You were stupid. We got on our soapbox last week. We won't get on it again this week. Um, but if Brian Fitzpatrick comes out, he's a proven vet. I mean, yeah, he's a pedestrian, but he's like Kelly Holcomb. He can he can get hot like that and lead a team to some big victories. Um, first year coaches, including Chucky, who came back to the sidelines after a 10 year hiatus. First year coaches this week went 0 7. They got it. They got to get with the program. Uh, I, I, I don't, it, it, but then again, you got to get your feet wet. You don't, you don't know how cold the pool is until you put your toes in. So, right. um, you know, I, I understand that uh, they were coaching a lot against, uh, against a lot of tenured, tenured people uh, in the NFL. So best of luck to them. Uh, you know, the only person I was shocked that, that, that didn't look as good was, was John Gruden's team. I felt he would have them better prepared, uh, even though he's not new. Uh, he's new to the sidelines after 10 years. Um, but, uh, you, you know, they just I just got dominated by one of the best teams in the NFL and, in the second half. And, and 
you know, being over set oh seven is not a shock. Uh, you know, I thought maybe somebody would squeeze something out of there, but the, you know, you, you, they they got to get their feet wet, and I'm sure some of most of them, well, not most of them, a few of them will bounce back. Uh, Deshaun Watson struggles a little bit in his return to the Texans against the Patriots this past weekend. Do you think he's still uh, trying to mentally get over the fact that his knee is maybe not once what it used to be? You know, and when you when you as you get older. Um, and your 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 abilities that once gave you that that were your talent got you where you were. When they start to fail you, you have to figure out a different way to to be the man you are. Uh, and every good player figures out a different way to be a great player when their their God given abilities start to fall off. And Deshaun Watson has to coming back from injury has to trust himself. Um, he's going to have to trust his body. He's going to have to understand that his body now has certain limitations that he may not be able to surpass. So he's going to have to find another way. And and my best analogy to that is big stars like in basketball where they used to be dunkers and, 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 and slashers to the hole. When the game, they got older, they couldn't do that anymore. So they had to become jump shooters. And Deshaun Watson has to find, uh, unfortunately, he's going to have to find his finesse, his jump shot. His 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 mental game rather than his athletic game be due to his injury, right? Also, too, you know, could you can you chalk it up potentially too to to hoodie taking away your best player because quite honestly, if you take Deshaun Watson out, Will Fuller the fifth and DeAndre Hopkins aren't effective. And then yeah, I, I could chalk it up to that too, uh, but I still feel that Deshaun Watson is is a little bit weary of of himself after getting injured you know how long it took him to come back is he is he afraid that to go down that road again or get re-injured you you know it's that the huge thing about trusting yourself and playing like you did before and and you know but playing smarter so that you don't re-injure yourself it's 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 a tough thing to do it's a tough pill to swallow I know this because I turned 30 and it was like I turned 30 and my body just fell apart and I I don't know what happened you know so other time finds us uh us regular guys a lot quicker than he finds those pro athletes, though. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So moving on, uh, the Bills, man, they are worse than we thought. Holy smokes. You start Nathan Peterman, 5 of 18 for 24 yards and two picks, QBR of .7. Yep, sounds like uh, Josh Allen is uh, is is, is uh, going to be starting this week. And I think the word did come out that they just said, uh, you know what, uh, we're just going to go with Josh Allen. If this is what we're going to get out of out of our veteran, we might as well just go with the rookie. Right. You know, Josh Allen didn't fare much better, 6 of 15 for 74 yards. Um, they only had 83 yards on the ground as well. Uh, so net, not even a 150 pedestrian yards of offense. They get blown out by a very average, I think, Baltimore team, 47 to 3. So I really don't know how good Baltimore is because Buffalo is just worse than what we thought they could be worse statistically, I think maybe than the Browns were last year. Um, and, and, you know, they're going to struggle. Uh, Josh Allen is going to, is going to struggle. I mean, that that's what happens when you, you base your whole franchise on a rookie quarterback. That's exactly what happens. We've known it way too often as Browns fans. So, uh, they, you know, they, they may not be the next 0 and 16 team, but they're, they're definitely staring down the barrel of not winning many games, especially after they had to cut bait already, right, and go to the rookie quarterback. And you're going to 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 um, you're going to your rookie Josh Allen, and I thought he was the worst of all the quarterbacks coming out. I was hoping that the Browns would steer clear of him. I'm I'm with you. But if something happens to Allen, you're going back to Nathan Peterman, and my goodness, if I'm Lashawn McCoy, I'm shaking my head saying, 
this is going to be a long year, man, because as much as I'm used to catching balls out of the backfield and running for big yards and scoring lots of touchdowns, ain't going to be there this year. Shady had seven seven carries, 22 yards, and one catch for minus one. 21 net yards for your best offensive weapon. And and watching that game, um, I, I saw that the catch for, for Rashawn McCoy – was was on a screen pass and it got blown up. I mean, they they absolutely annihilated him. And I and and when I'm walking back to the huddle as as that as Lashawn McCoy, I'm like, I don't trust you guys. Don't throw me this ball no more. Right at all. So Houdini himself comes back from the dead and leads the Packers, aka Aaron Rodgers, 24 unanswered points with a sprained knee. And I must throw in this to the shade. Deshaun Kaiser was Deshaun Kaiser and basically threw a pick six to the other team, threw it right to whoever picked it off for uh, the Giants. I don't – was it? It wasn't Cleo Mack, it, it, or for the Bears, I should say. It wasn't Cleo Mack, but 24 unanswered points by Houdini, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and, and you know, when, when he went – Aaron Rodgers went down and, and got on the card, I, I said, gosh, man. Uh, what a bad break for for Green Bay. I mean, they're going to lose their franchise quarterback two years in a row. So I, I didn't think to even see Aaron Rodgers. I, I never thought I would see him walking back out on the field, but here he is walking back on the field, leading them uh, past what, what has to be a heartbreaker for the Bears when they finally thought they were going to beat their rivals and Mitch Trubisky was having one of the, the one of the games best games he's had so far. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's got to be a heartbreaker. <laughs> heartbreaker. I got a question. The play calling. I kind of thought that uh, um, they kind the Bears kind of got complacent with their play calling. They weren't as aggressive as they were, even when they had the lead. When the Packers cut it to to twenty to seven, I would have still been not trying to finesse it. I would have called the same game that I called throughout the rest of the first two and two and a half three quarters, knowing that they got to catch me. They got to get the ball back from me to win this game. I just thought that they choked it away a little bit, and you kind of saw that rookie, their rookie head coach really struggle when the spotlight was on him the most. And, and you know, I think he to to what you what you said. I think I agree with that because he he played it way too conservative. He thought that you know what we have the lead over Green Bay. Let's not do anything stupid. Um, we've got one of the better defenses because I mean Khalil Mack. Uh, props to him was playing out of his mind. I, he was thinking, I have the better defense right now. Uh, they have to beat my defense, and so we're just going to go ahead and put the brakes on. But they forgot who was on the other side of that ball, uh, and that's Aaron Rodgers, one of one of the best to do it. And and there's there's a couple people in this league, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brady, I'm not Drew Brady, I put them together, but Drew Brees and Tom Brady, you do not sit back on those three quarterbacks. They will beat you. You need to keep scoring. They will beat you if you stop scoring. Right, and it was Khalil Mack that uh, got that 27-yard thank you from uh, Deshaun Kaiser. And he dominated for the first two and a half to three quarters. But when a Gimpy Rodgers comes back on the field, the Packers changed the way they called the games. They weren't dropping Aaron back into quick in the longer five, seven-step drops. It was three to five-step drops, and he was hitting guys quick. They were doing quick slants, quick hitches, quick passes to get the ball out of his hands so he didn't have to be as mobile because he wasn't as mobile and you let your playmakers go to work. Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb went off, especially on that last throw that Rodgers had, that 75-yard touchdown pass. Shakab uh, shakes his guy, catches the ball, goes to the house. I am a closet Packers fan. 
jumping off the couch. I could not believe what I saw. And I think Al Michaels and Collinsworth couldn't believe what they saw. I, I don't think anybody could believe that what they saw uh, when when the Packers came back on the Bears. And and honestly, I uh, I felt bad. I, I really felt bad for the Bears and and that they they had it. It, it looked. It looked in the bag, it, it you know, and it looked in the bag early. I, the Packers were not moving the ball. There was there was not much moving. Then Deshaun Kaiser comes in. We all know how that goes. And you think, okay, well, Chicago, you're going to start off your season one and zero. Okay, let's go. And then all of a sudden, you, you're looking up at the scoreboard, and it's twenty four to twenty three. What happened? Yeah, I think Matt Nagy is going to learn a lot from what happened this past Sunday night. Uh, but I think that the Bears do have a bright future. Um, I think Mitchell Trubisky played well. I just think he was a victim of the play calling because I don't think the Packers' defense changed all that much. I think it was more the play calling of the Bears that kind of swung things in the Packers' favor. Um, Randall Cobb, nine catches, 142, a 75-yarder. Devontae uh, Adams, uh, five catches, 88 yards. Geronimo Allison, that's another weapon for Rodgers to have, five catches, 69 yards. Here's the key stat. All three of those gentlemen scored touchdowns for Rodgers on Sunday night. And, and and it's not to be lost on on the on the Bears. We credit where credits due. Um, they just got way too conservative. I, you know, what what a what a trade debut uh, for for Cleo Mack. Uh, you know, he he finished the game with an interception, a sack, forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. Also, a defensive touchdown hasn't been done since Charles Woodson, uh, a former Raider. But when he when Charles Woodson did it, he uh, was on the, on Green Bay and. And, and my question to you, TK, is do, do you know of any trade debuts that were any better than that? Can you think of any off the top of your head? I really can't think of any that were any better than, than Khalil Mack. He dominated that game uh, for the first three quarters. Uh, there was nobody better on that field. And every penny that the Bears paid him is going to be worth it because that guy is going to be wrecking offensive lines all season long. And it's actually going to be really fun to watch. Uh, one of the funnier things I heard was when people were talking about the in the Twitterverse about the Oakland game. Everyone said, oh, gosh, if we just had one more superstar linebacker, where can I get him from? You guys missed out, Oakland. That, that This guy's a monster. I, I, to let the guy like this walk over pride is ridiculous. Uh, th- that guy's a monster, and and he to me, uh, some of the some of the things I I was looking around and and thinking about wrecking my brain about people who got traded and then killed it in their very next game. I think Khalil Mack, he's probably had the best one ever, at least as a defensive player, if not on both sides of the ball. I mean, you had Randy Moss when he went from the Raiders. Uh, surprise, surprise, Raiders trading away good players. Randy Moss, when he went from Oakland to New England, that, that man had, uh, you know, 130 yards at, with a 73-yard touchdown reception. Now he went to, to the best quarterback of all time for me. Uh, this is my opinion. And 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 TK does not support all my opinions, but this one is is one. Um, but uh, I, I He's think – the best quarterback of this generation. The best quarterback of all time, and I'll get off my soapbox – is Otto Graham. Look at the stats, look at what he accomplished, and then we can talk again. I I, I don't even know who that is. No, I'm just kidding. I know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Boy, I need, <laughs> hey, TK needs a new co-host. TK almost had a heart attack. He almost had a heart attack. But uh, no, uh, I, I I still we'll, – we'll debate that one day, one time in the future. Absolutely. But, um, you know, I, I still feel like Khalil Mack had one of the best trade debuts of all time, and 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 it, it can't be matched. The, the guy did everything you could possibly do as his as a, as a, as a player in one half. So uh, I, I loved how he played. It's not to be lost on 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 what happened in the game. Khalil did what he could have done, obviously. So 
you know, uh, hopefully this will be a great marriage for, for the time come for, for Chicago. Absolutely. So tell us what you thought of week one of the NFL. How did your favorite team do? Hit us up on Twitter at J underscore TK. Shoot us off an email, TK and J show at yahoo.com. Download that anchor app, uh, anchor.fm slash TK underscore J. Also, for all you iPhone listeners, we are on Apple Podcast. Yeah! It took them two weeks, but they got us on there yesterday. I sent it out to Jay, and we both kind of were talking before the show, and he mentioned, man, I never thought I would do anything that was on Apple Podcast. Yeah. Same here. And we're on eight different platforms now. So you can find us anywhere you listen to a podcast. The TK and Jay show is going to be there. We look forward to having you guys as listeners. Again, we appreciate all the support that you guys do for us, and we hope that you guys reach out to us because we really love to talk to you. Yeah, and even if you have an idea to how to make the, how to make the show better, uh, suggestions you might have, maybe some suggestions for segments, we're all ears. Uh, we would love to be able to have this as interactive as we possibly possibly can. Um, so with that said, we're going to get into some tribe talk. All right, guys, we hope you enjoyed uh, that tribe talk. Uh, now we're going to get into the geek segment of the show. Uh, we're going to give Power Rangers and Star Wars and things like that a break this week. Uh, we've kind of hit that pretty heavy the first uh, two weeks. But right now we're going to get into some WWE talk. Jay and I have been big wrestling fans for many, many years. Uh, I mean, this is going to be one of my favorite segments to do, and, and I'm going to implore TK to let me do it more often to let my inner WWE out. I, when I tell you I'm a WWE fan, I am from WWF era. I don't even remember a time where I didn't watch wrestling. Don't I, I, Ever since I've had memories, you know, everybody has that moment when you start remembering stuff. Wrestling was part of those first memories. You know, I uh, didn't watch a lot of stuff that was, you know, as, as, uh, as risque, you could say, or as violent as WWE when I was younger. It took, you know, until I was 12 years old to watch something other than a Disney movie. Um, credit to my parents for that, though. You know, I think they were trying to look out for certain things like that. But then we moved to Medina. Um, my buddy Adam Cerny and his two brothers Always into it. The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin. When I saw Stone Cold for the first time, clashing the beers together, flicking off Vince McMahon, filling up his Corvette with cement, taking him out to the ring, acting like he was going to shoot him if he didn't get a WWE title title match, bringing the beer truck out and knocking Shane and Vince and The Rock out with beer. Oh, my gosh. I was hooked. And then my dad saw this guy. And my dad was like, man, this guy gets to beat up his boss. This is pretty cool. So we, needless to say, we were hooked. We started getting the pay-per-views. We had DirecTV at the time. Funny story, good old, good old Chris K., my dad. He didn't know that you get a free replay back in the day right after the show. So you could tape it or come back if you didn't, you know, if there was an eruption or whatever. Big storm comes out. We've got the satellite on the corner of the house, which is very tough to go up on during the day, let alone in a wind rainstorm at night. And he goes, well, son of a gun, I paid 40 bucks. I'm watching Stone Cold Steve Austin. This is going to come through. So that crazy guy went on our roof in the middle of a thunderstorm, yelling down to us, making sure that we could get that pay-per-view in. For him, for me to come down and say, you do know that we get a free replay and I was going to tape it for you, right? Oh, no. Oh, my <laughs> oh Dad wasn't happy that day. That was a fun memory. <laughs> that, is a, that is a great memory. But to, 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 to just piggyback on it, that's how exciting wrestling was and, 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 and is, I should say that you're willing to risk getting electrocuted to watch these men actually get electrocuted and beat each other up. 
Yeah, I tell you, there was a lot of fun uh, back in the, in the day with the Attitude Era, which I know we're going to hit it on in a few minutes. But I had the opportunity this past weekend, shout out to my boys, uh, Nate and Kevin, again. Um, we got to go to WWE NXT out there in, in Warren. Nice little two, 3,000 seat place, nothing crazy. Uh, quite honestly, other than the guy screaming behind me, who I still can't believe he was married based off how he was dressed, how he looked, and how he was screaming, his wife said nothing, did nothing, and looked the other way the entire night, which was hilarious. It was a great show. Um, and, and... I wore my old school Zack Ryder broski t-shirt that said, take care, spike your hair on the back. And then it had like his broski band on the top with the spiked hair in his face. So I take a picture of it and I send it to him saying, hey, you know, wear my retros at Zack Ryder uh, t-shirt at, uh, at NXT Warren. And uh, no reception in there, but we're sitting there and my phone buzzes. I'm like, what that could that be? Zach Ryder liked my tweet. Shout out to you, Zach. You were one of my favorite guys on the roster. I wish they would use you better. I think you're a great talent. You're good on the mic. Why you're not on Raw each week is a mystery to me. But woo, 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 you know it. And and that's awesome. I was super jealous about that. Uh, you know, I've I've never got any interaction from from any WWE star, and I've I've watched it longer, and, and so I was a little jealous. I gotta I gotta step my game up. Yeah, and you should come with us next time. I know that we're gonna try to. Uh, kind of made a pact and you're more than welcome to join us but i think at least once a month or every six weeks we're going to try and find just a different local promotion that's throwing a show and just go out there and see and watch different promotions show them some love get out there and just because we've gone to nxt the last two years and we loved it but why not go out show some of these other thing you know other promotions some love and just see what else is out there and just be entertained for a night because places like that you'll go for 10 20 bucks you get two three hours of entertainment from local people who are just like you and i and maybe Maybe get involved one day. Yeah, and you know, and and uh, to piggyback on that, I, I kind of wanted to be involved. And one day, I've actually tried a wrestling camp before. It was painful, and this is why I have more respect than most people give those people uh, because I've actually tried it, and it is painful. Regardless if I know how to fall or not, it is painful. It might be predetermined, and you might know who's going to win before you go out there. But if you don't trust the guy you're in the ring with to catch you when you're coming off the ropes or to throw you the right way in the ring. It's still very real physically, mentally, emotionally. Yeah, you know, you know, it's predetermined, but people can get hurt. People can get seriously hurt and people can die. So people might say, oh, wrestling's fake, wrestling's fake. Yeah, it's predetermined, but these guys are willing to put their bodies and women are willing to put their bodies on the line for our entertainment. And for that, I'll be a fan because somebody who's willing to do that, knowing that down the line, this could shorten their life expectancy or maybe have them get to a point where they can't get around like they once did, wheelchair bound, whatnot. They'll have my respect. They'll have my admiration. And I will always be willing to watch and see what they'll do next. And, I, and I'll tell you, with, with the athletes, and I call them athletes in the WWE, the reason why I say this because your supreme athletes that you wanted, uh, that you see every day, your football players, your basketball players, they've tried to cross over and they haven't been successful. Uh, you know, there's a few people in there that have been like your Goldberg, who was, you know, a former defensive end, the rock, they, he, they've been successful, but they had those it factors to them. That's, that, that's not normal. That, that's not a normal success rate. Uh, you know, so I respect these athletes for what they do because they are actually some of the best athletes in the world. And it's been proven, you know, Olympic gold medalist, Kurt Angle. I mean, you know, Ronda Rousey. You know, Olympic medalist, Olympic medalist. You yeah. know, these these people are accomplished. Dolph Ziggler, if people don't know, 
He is Kent State's all-time wrestle- wins wrestling champion. So these are these are legit people. And, I mean, the, what they have to go through, they're on the road, they're away from their family, so they definitely have my respect. Going back to the show, man, I really enjoyed it because it was pure wrestling. Now, don't get me wrong. I love watching Raw and SmackDown and seeing prom- promos, guys talking smack to each other. But when I go to what is literally the minor leagues of WWE, this NXT is run by Triple H. It's booked by Triple H. He's got the final say. Vince has nothing to do with this, which we'll talk about more about that later. It was just good old-fashioned wrestling. Ricochet. He's going to be a star. Tyler Breeze, he was there, made a special appearance. He was also on Raw Monday night. They stole the show. That match was fantastic. Johnny Gargano needs to be on that main roster soon. Him and Tommaso Ciampa, oh, my gosh. What a triple threat match they had for the for the NXT title. It was just the athleticism alone was phenomenal. I just, it was 50 bucks well spent just seeing people going out there and doing what they love in front of 1,500 people. So that brings me to, to my question for you, TK. Uh, would You're basically thinking, and what I'm getting at is, do you think NXT is better than the main roster? I think NXT is booked better than the main roster. I think that their long-term success is looked at more in NXT than it is on the main roster. Um, I think that, um, you know... I think Vince has kind of lost it a little bit when it comes to booking and how, you know, maybe the top superstars are treated. Um, I think that he's kind of lost touch a little bit with the times. Um, I think I read an article today where John Cena getting the mixed reaction that he got for as long as he did changed Vince's thinking on how to get top guys over and that because Roman is such a polarizing figure that what worked for Cena is going to work for Roman. I don't necessarily think that's true because I think John Cena is 10 times a showman Roman Reigns will ever be. Is Roman Reigns a better professional wrestler as far as in the ring and you know moves and being able to t- tell a story that way? Yes. Is John Cena the better entertainer where he can get over with song, promo, and he's not half that bad in the ring either, and he can actually tell a good story, but John Cena is more of a complete picture. Roman Reigns, like you said, off air, he needs a mouthpiece. He needs Paul Heyman. He needs somebody to come in and be his mouth so that way his muscle can talk for him. John Cena – could do it all. If you if you think about some of the the more uh, uh, imposing figures in 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 wrestling, to, to to think back, think of one guy I love to always bring up who eventually ended up being by himself because he outgrew his manager, The Undertaker. The Undertaker didn't say anything for years. The only thing you got out of The Undertaker was rest in peace. That's all you got for three years. And Paul Bearer was his mouthpiece. Because The Undertaker didn't have the mic skills. But as time went on and managers became a thing of the past, The Undertaker had to learn to speak. What they did to Roman Reigns was they were just like, dude, go out there and get on the mic. Roman, Roman Reigns wasn't ready for that. He's still not ready for that. He doesn't he doesn't have the communication skills that are needed, uh, the charisma that is needed to communicate with the fans. I need him to be behind Paul Heyman like Brock Lesnar was. Another thing, too, that they do these days that they didn't do back then is, you know, they would write, you know, they Vince and his creative team, they'd write TV and they basically would give guys, I, you know, here's what we'd like you to touch on, but make it your own, stand your character. So Undertaker knows his character, knows what gets over. John Cena knows his character, knows what gets over. Same with Glock, same with Stone Cold Steve Austin. They can hold the crowd in the palm of their hand and change their reaction, their emotion with a word. When you have writers who don't know anything, who'd never been in wrestling, never watched wrestling, coming up to a guy and saying, here, say this. Giving him a promo, 
that doesn't work because it's not in character. So when you have the old school guys like Austin come back and Rock come back and even Cena, they don't go up to Cena and do that. Why? Because they've earned it. You can't go up to a guy and say, this is what we want you to say on live TV verbatim. Because nowadays promos sound like they're rehearsing it, that they're just, it's a play, that they're, here, here's what we need you to say, memorize it and go out there. That's not what a promo is. That doesn't captivate the audience. It doesn't hold them in the palm of their hand. If I'm at, listening to Roman Reigns talk at home, I'm boring, boring. <laughs> and, and there was something to be said. I, I don't know what happened to this, but the catchphrase. Where is the catchphrases at? When the catchphrases were a way to connect with your fans. You, when you say this phrase, the fans know that this is you talking and, and everybody knows. Like, if you smell what The Rock is cooking or... And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. You know, uh, I'm the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. I'm the cerebral assassin. Things like that. When those things are said, you know who it is. And, and to me, I was just thinking about it as you were talking. These characters all had a persona that went along with their sayings. Who is Roman Reigns? What is he supposed to be? I, I don't even know what his character is supposed to be. And I know we're outdated with, with characters and things like that, but we know who John Cena is. He, you know, he's a good American wholesome guy and he's good. He's holding the values. He wants you to basically, he's the modern day Hulk Hogan. He wants you to eat your vitamins and say your prayers. You know who John Cena is. But who is Roman Reigns? What is he? What type of person is he? Michael Cole is his mouthpiece. The only thing I know Roman Reigns for is Superman Punch. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> and 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 that's what I that's what I look at when I when I look at it. Like everybody has a character. Even Dean Ambrose, he's supposed to be uh, uh, you know psychotic and out of his mind and everything like that. And and Seth Rollins is supposed to be the architect and he's always doing type of stuff, even though they've kind of gone away from that. You know, you know, Finn Balor, he's a demon, you know, things like that. These guys all have characters, but Roman Reigns' character is just out there in limbo. Is he a SWAT guy? Uh, uh, is he a muscle guy? Is, is he, he is just a, a brute strength guy? Yeah, is yeah. he, I don't know what he is. And so that's what bothers me about Roman Reigns is he just has no path. They just want him to be champion because of his look. He's just an imposing figure, which Sometimes even in his matches, he doesn't even look like an opposing figure. You know, he, he I just don't understand what they want out of Roman Reigns. And the fans don't either. This is why he gets some mixed reaction. Exactly. And if you bring out a few years ago, if you bring out The Rock to come out and get try to put this guy over and they boo The Rock out of the building, that should tell you something. Stop shoving him down my throat. He's more tolerable now that I can watch Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose with the shield. But Roman by himself? I mean, the only reason I'm really watching this Sunday is because I like Braun Strowman and Mick Foley is going to be the guest referee of that Absolutely. match. Celebrating 20 years of Hell in a Cell. Other than that, Roman, I, I would hope that he would drop it to Braun Strowman. And I think that they're dropping the ball with Book and Braun Strowman. Why did you turn him heel? And and, and because, I mean, the, the Braun Strowman was becoming the, the uh, a character. Fa- I, man, tell me that run, when he runs people over on, on, on the side of the r- ring is not golden. That's like the funniest thing I've ever watched in my entire life. Absolutely. And his promos, even though they might sound a little scripted, I can believe it because he's so large, he's so massive, and if I was in the ring with him, good night, I'm done, retired, bye-bye. Right. And, and with Braun Strowman, I don't expect anything more than fee-fi-fo-fum out of him. Right. I, you know, I don't want him to, to, to talk my ear off. And sometimes I hate now with his new faction with the, you know, Dolph and 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 uh, Drew McIntyre. 
I hate that they even have him being the front man. Dolph Ziggler is perfect for that. He can be the mouthpiece uh, because he's a smaller guy and he should be talking for those two big brutes. But well, don't forget that Dolph Ziggler, I, in my opinion, I think he's a main event championship caliber type talent. He can do it in the ring. He's got the look. He's got the skill. He's got the charisma. And he can play a great heel or he can play a great face. But that, you know, that, that brings me to where I, I have the feeling that it seems like WWE just has way too much talent and not enough to, uh, time on their hands for either show. I know they, they they explored cutting the rosters in half so they'd have more time, but they're not even really managing their time well on that. Can't even build a storyline. And, and, and to your point, which you had said earlier, you know, SmackDown has the better storylines, and they do. I mean, I really feel Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair's uh, rivalry right now. I feel it. I feel like Becky Lynch feels scored. Um, even though I can't understand a word she's saying because of her accent, but I feel, I feel that rivalry. I feel Samoa Joe and 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 AJ, AJ Styles. Styles rivalry. I feel it in there, and that's the type of stuff we used to watch back in the day on Raw, where you right. were like, I can't believe this guy is this appalling. Ah, man, I hope AJ Styles gets him at the pay-per-view. You know, that's the type of stuff that has been going on. So, you know, I'm, I'm afraid right now there's just way too much talent right now to, to go around. There's a lot of good people, like you mentioned, Dolph Ziggler, that, uh, you know, has main event caliber talent, but they've mid-carded him, and, and it's sad. And he's it? stuck there. And, and yeah, and there's a lot of people stuck there. It, it, it just rattling off the top of my head, some of some of the people that 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 upset me to this day: Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, and Shinsuke Nakamura were main event caliber talent in NXT, and they proved that they could put on good matches. In fact, all three of them have faced one another at some point and put on a match where the fans chanted "Wrestle Forever," which they should still be wrestling right now. They are mid-carters, and it is sad. I am so sad that that Finn Balor has been mid-carded to Baron Cor- Cor- uh, Baron Corbin. Right. I, I I don't. I never thought Baron Corbin was that amazing a wrestler. He's a big dude. He's a good. T- he's a decent talent, but Finn he's Balor a typical is typical mid-carder. Yes, Finn Balor is way past him. He's got the look. He can talk. He's got. He can be Finn. He can be Demon Finn. He's got skills in the ring. He's got charisma with the fans. He's your entire package. If he was four inches taller, he'd, he'd be, be sitting where Roman Reigns right. is. But AJ Styles is no much taller than Finn Balor. Right. But AJ Styles has all the intangibles that, that Finn Balor has on a little bit of a higher level. However, why did you give this guy the universal title? You put it on him, and then he gets hurt, and you never really give him another shot until Roman Reigns comes out and gives him a shot a few weeks ago. Finn Balor is a future of this company. Vince needs to wake up and see that now and book this talent differently. Raw is just losing audience. I can't watch it for three straight hours. I have to go to Monday Night Football. I have to go to reruns of Friends. I can't sit there for three hours and see Roman Reigns in the main event every single week. And it's and you know and if it was, it, to your point, if it was The Rock because he was charismatic, six foot five, two hundred seventy five pounds of charisma, that's who I could watch every week. Right. Roman Reigns is not that guy. He doesn't wrestle a match that tells me a story that. I need to understand who Roman Reigns is because one minute Roman Reigns is getting beat down and I'm like, Finn Balor is like half your size. Why are you on your back right now? Like you should be tossing Finn Finn Balor across the ring because isn't that who you're supposed to be? Right. But I guess that's not who he's supposed to be. Uh, So I don't understand Roman Reigns. I'm with you. And I, and I want Roman Reigns because he has the look, but when he first appeared on the shield, I loved him because he was behind the scenes muscle guy. That's who he was. I was like, who is that guy behind 
Dean Ambrose, who is talking, man, he looks like he will mess everybody up. That's the Roman Reigns I like. I don't like the Roman Reigns that's right right here with the universal title on his shoulder. No. But, you know, Braun's, I think, almost ready for it. I'd like to see them give it to him. Uh, but then – and then give somebody like, um, you know, Dean a shot or Seth a shot. Um, I'd like to see them move the Miz back to Raw and get let Miz go after the universal title. In my opinion, the Miz is one of the best guys they have going right now. He can wrestle. He can talk. He can – he's a great – Heel. I mean, he he's not that great of a face, but man, when I watch him on TV, I can't stand him. But at the same time, I love it because he's doing what he's supposed to do. That's his job. And 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 man, you hit the nail on the head. The Miz is my favorite wrestler ever. And and I will go on re- record. Not ever. Let's go back. Take that back. He's my favorite wrestler right now because he is that total package. He is charisma. He is a great wrestler. He's a great storyteller. Uh, he, him and Daniel Bryan's rivalry right now, I love that rivalry because it makes me hate Miz even more because the way he just degrades Daniel Bryan to his face like he's a child. And then it's like when he gets his face punched off, you're like, yeah, that's how it's supposed to be. Yep. And I feel like when the Miz had the title – they didn't set him up right, but he still carried the title. The best I've seen in a long time. I, I don't. I can't even think of a title run besides CM Punk after him that was better. I, I can't. I can't remember that a, a title run that went better than than the Miz's, except for CM Punk. Right, and it was at a time and maybe he wasn't ready to be the guy. But now that he's ready to be the guy, I can't wait to see this rivalry continue because I'd like to eventually see it be for the WWE title. Right. And I would love for Daniel Bryan to get the title back uh, at some point. And what better to do it than, you know, after months and months of being screwed over by the Miz, he he finally breaks through at WrestleMania and finally gets the title. That's, that's what I want to see. Now that he signed his extension, I think that we'll see uh, Daniel Bryan more in main event, uh, things like statuses like that. Um, So, over the last few weeks, we found out that there's a Super Showdown pay-per-view. It's kind of like a mini WrestleMania coming to Melbourne, Australia. The big match on the card that they've been promoting on Raw right now is going to be Undertaker versus Triple H one final time. They've had Undertaker on. They've had Shawn Michaels on. Him and Shawn Michaels had a classic encounter a few weeks ago where Shawn basically came out and said, the reason I haven't come back, I haven't come back for a payday. I just beat down my door every WrestleMania season. I don't come back out of respect for you and what we had at WrestleMania. And then Taker fires back with, is it respect or is it fear? And I was just like, that was classic Taker. Like that just hit me. I was like, that's good storytelling. I really believe that he means what he's saying. And that's, that's the, and that's what it was. These guys, when, when you, when you feel it, you feel like this, the backstage has come up front. Like you feel like they're the beef that they would have back there is, is out on the, in this ring right now. Absolutely. And, 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 and it's sad because these three men should be able to sit on their couch and be retired, but they have to keep coming back to keep selling shows because the talent right now is nowhere as as good as what we had back in the nineties. Nowhere. Well, and Vince is paying top dollar to some of these old guy, old school guys to come back and wrestle because this is what's being requested by the fans of the exactly. show. Exactly. This is a once in a lifetime exactly. thing, so we want to see Taker. We want to see Shawn Michaels. I think you're going to see Shawn Michaels be the special guest referee of that match. 
I think he's going to cost Taker the match because Triple H has put over Taker twice at WrestleMania in their last two bouts. And I think that's going to set up Triple or Shawn Michaels and Undertaker for WrestleMania. And Michaels is going to come out of retirement. Yeah. Well, that's that, that is sounds like something I can get on board with. I, I mean, I feel bad because the Undertaker's body looks like it's breaking down on him and he doesn't look like he's getting any stronger, but he he's he's powering through these matches. And uh, and, uh, you know, my only hope is that that it doesn't sour the first two uh, confrontations that they had, because those two matches are the best two matches ever for me. Right. Ever. Triple H, Shawn, or sorry, Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, two years in a row. Two of the best matches ever. I've ever seen. Ever. There's, there's, there's not, there's not a better, there's not a better, there's not a better match out there that I have seen. And, and I will say, you would take any other two people and put them in the ring. They didn't have a better match than that match right there. Absolutely not. So, what else you got on your WWE uh, agenda tonight, my friend? What else can we get into for you? So, you know, one thing that I, I wanted to, to, to get into was I, I do like the NXT better. I think the the NXT has, like you said, better booking. And everything like that. Um, one guy I want, really want people to look out for is the Velveteen Dream, man. He is got the total package. He's an upcoming star. He knows how to tell a story in the ring. And he's the type of hill like The Miz where you just want to see him get his face punched off. Because he he's cocky and he's charismatic and he has it. My only fear is that if he comes up, will he get buried? Because he's the Velveteen Dream down in NXT, and they're all in favor of having your character and everything like that. But once you get to WWE, you somehow lose some of who you are. So I, I want that's Velveteen. my biggest fear for Johnny Gargano if they bring him up now. He's going to get lost in the mid card. I, I feel like Tommaso Ciampa too. They're both the same size as all the mid carders that that get put up there, and so it's my 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 fear. But keep a lookout for Velveteen Dream. Uh, you know. He had one of the best matches I've seen in a long time with him and Aleister Black. They really told a story when they faced each other. Um, and I thought Velveteen Dream was the better wrestler, even though uh, the better character, I should say, than Aleister Black. I like Aleister Black and what he does. He's, he's so so epic. But Velveteen Dream really made their match for me. So I want him to come up and I want it, but they, he, the only way I want him to come up is they're going to use him in a story. If they're going to story tell with him, because if without that, he's just lost, right? He's lost in the shuffle. So I, I wanted to get that out there. There's also a great Twitter account uh, out there. Uh, and we give a shout out to nineties WWE on Twitter. Uh, they retweet uh, and tweet pictures and old pictures and videos of epic moments in the Attitude Era, you know, one of those moments being the cement uh, in the Corvette, hilarious. One of the, and, and they they tweet that type of stuff. So I just wanted to get a quick shout out to them because without that, and scrolling through my timeline and seeing Stone Cold stunning the Rock in epic fashion, it, my day is lost. Right. They tweeted out something not too long ago. I think you favorited it or retweeted it, and I saw it. But I have never heard a pop from a crowd. And this was the night that Eric Bischoff came on WCW television and said, Mick Foley's winning the WWF title. Stone Cold Steve Austin's coming back. Screw them. Come watch my show now because you know it's going to happen. There's no need to go. Well, that did the exact opposite. Everybody turned off Nitro and then went back. Well, how is Stone Cold coming back? When that glass hit, you thought a bomb had gone off inside that arena. That place went crazy and i still watch it to this day and the net hair on the back of my neck stand, stands up that music hits stone cold comes to the ring 
He lays out the rock with a chair. And then you got Mick Foley as your new WWF champion. And then just Mick throwing salt in the wound of Vince. Hey, Vince, you know, this feels pretty damn good. And Shane McMahon screaming, I hate him. And it was just like, oh, my gosh. And Stone Cold flicks him off, throws his hat at him. Man, that those were the times. Oh ain't, man, ain't it the truth? And and to to, to piggyback on that, you know, it, it does give me goosebumps because that that era was probably the greatest era they that it had. It's 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 going to be tough to to match that. But at the same token, there was no rules back then. It felt like it, you know, you go out there, you go out and get the brass ring, you make it happen, and that's what those characters did. They went with their with their ability to just with the freedom. They went out there and did what they could, and and I don't know if that 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 has been taken the, – the freedom has been taken back. That's what happens when you become a publicly traded company and you have shareholders telling you what to put on television. <laughs> and and that and that's probably what has happened to WWE that, to their detriment. But, uh, you know, I, that era was so free. It was so fun. It was so rebellious that, I, I you know, everything that happened back then, you, you, you know, you look at moments and you're just like, I, I remember what I was doing. When this epic moment happened, right, you know? and I and I have to get this off my chest just because I've done some research on it too, and I listened to uh, shout out to Jim Cornette. I love Jim Cornette's podcast. It is not a family friendly podcast, but Mr. Cornette, sir, I applaud you. The fact that Vince Russo, the captain of Talent Berry, as we like to call him, takes credit for writing the Attitude Era, no, no, you could not mess up having Steve Austin in his prime, the Undertaker in his prime, the Rock in his prime. Uh, Triple H in his prime, uh, G Generation X, everything that they had. There is no way that you can take credit for that because look at your track record after that, Mr. Russo. You went to WCW and they fired you twice. Somehow you became WCW champion. You're a joke. You're a fraud. And then you go to TNA and you run everybody out, including Jeff Jarrett. You're a fraud. You got fired from them, not once, but twice. And then when Spike found out that you were working for them, they pulled their deal with TNA. So, Russo, get off your Attitude Era bandwagon. You're garbage. Nobody likes you, and you did nothing good for this business. <laughs> and, 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 and Vince, uh, Vince Russo, man, you know, it, you, you leave a pile of bodies behind you. I, you know, I had a lot of hopes for Impact. And, you know, the stars that went there, the, the people from WWE, they, they, they were betting on you. They wanted to help you make the company better. And you ran them right back to WWE and made WWE the powerhouse that it is today. And no one can touch it. There's there's no one that can touch it right now. And the closest I think right now is um, New Japan. They're, they're the they're they're the closest, and they're not even in our country. And you can stop emailing Vince every week for your job back, McMahon. He he doesn't care. The fact that you had the gall to take more money from WCW and not walk into Vince McMahon's office or even to the TV taping you were supposed to help write that night back 20 years ago and at least shake the man's hand and say you were leaving just shows the kind of stones that you have and shows what your true colors really are. Everything Jim Cornette has said about you is true. Um, I don't wish the things to happen to you that Jim Cornette does because I am I am a believer of God. However, Stay away from the wrestling business. You've done nothing but hurt it, tarnish it, and nobody ever wants to work with you again. Now that I'm off my Vince Russo soapbox, and I'm going to tweet this at the Jim Cornette tonight as well. We were talking off air. Shawn Michaels is possibly coming out of retirement. Who is one or two uh, former people that still might wrestle nowadays and might even make appearances that you would like to see in a dream match that maybe hasn't happened yet or you'd like to see it again? And who are a couple of guys now on the roster, either SmackDown, NXT, 
um, Raw, who you would like to see HBK in a dream match with? You know, I think I've I've seen, uh, to the first que- question, I think I've seen Shawn Michaels pretty much do it all with who I would need to. Jericho would, would be another one I would, would have loved to seen again. Jericho seems to be hitting on all cylinders right now. And um, they had a fantastic feud back then, but Jericho's character now, that would be a wonderful feud for them to have. Right. Um, you know, but the, 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 the two people um, I would love to see Shawn Michaels do battle with uh, first and foremost, AJ Styles. I would love to see that match go down. Uh, they are looking at two of the greatest in the history of the wrestling business to ab- go ahead. Absolutely, that. both both have the show stopping qualities. I mean, they really put their bodies on the line. But even more than that, the the guy I want to see is Daniel Bryan and Shawn Michaels. I mean, mentor versus mentee, right there. I I, I would love to see them go to battle. And 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 make it personal with each other because it was mentor and mentee. I feel that story could be huge, and I feel that the the moments in those matches would would be epic. And we we would get to the the standing on the the hair standing on the back of our neck wrestling forever. This is awesome moments with those two for sure. Those could be that could be a main event of WrestleMania. Shawn Michaels for Daniel Bryan that would sell the place out. Oh, you could would, put that on last even without a title on the line, and it's going to. Draw the money you're looking to draw. Absolutely, you 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 could put it on first, and if you put it on the first, we might not watch the wrestle wrestle uh, WrestleMania because uh, it just you know those two those two guys are they go out there and they leave everything out there. I don't even know how Shawn Michaels is still walking with some of the the things he took, some of the bumps he put himself through through matches just to impress us. And it's the same with Daniel Bryan. This is why he got injured, and you know Daniel Bryan's wrestling better, but. Uh, I feel like when you go against when you go against Shawn Michaels, the the show stopping performer, you're gonna put your body on the line. And I feel like AJ Styles and and Daniel Bryan are both built for built for an epic match with Shawn Michaels. I would like to see Shawn Michaels take on Finn Balor. I think Finn Balor has so much talent; he's underutilized. I really think that a match with Shawn Michaels would open eyes, even Vince McMahon's eyes, to say, hey, this guy is the the next generation star for us. This guy can carry this company on his shoulders. Look what he just did with Shawn Michaels. And then I can't decide between both of them, so I would say do a triple threat match. Give me HBK versus Seth Rollins versus Dolph Ziggler. Because I think Dolph Ziggler, like I've told you before, maybe because he's a local guy, the guy's got all the talent in the world. Shout out to you, you, Dolph. Um, And Seth Rollins, again, too, the architect. How could you not want to see those three guys battle it out? You could do it for the Intercontinental title, and that would be a believable story. Yeah, and, you know, there's another guy I want to add into there because he seemed to be mid-carded, and I think he may be getting frustrated with it, or they may be using the storyline that he's frustrated. I think Kevin Owens with Shawn Michaels would be a great match too. That would be a fantastic um, match, the brawler against the speedster. Absolutely, and, and and you know, Shawn Michaels takes bumps very well, so he would be able to sell Kevin Owens' powers, and – Kevin Owens sells moves very well as as well, so their their match together would 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 be fantastic and have a lot of great moments in it as well. Um, you know, I, I'm upset because Kevin Owens came in with a bang. He he came in, he made John Cena look like a fool, which should have put him over. And when he took the NXT Championship, raised it up, and stomped on the United States Championship, that was a statement to me that Kevin Owens was was here. And ever since that moment, ever since they gave him the title and then they they kind of sandbagged him when Goldberg came back, Kevin Owens hasn't been the same, and I hate it for him. You know, I think a lot of that, too, I, Vince McMahon wants him to lose some weight. This has been well-documented. Vince isn't happy with his weight. 
Um, so even though they signed him, you know, some of these long-term deals, he signed a five-year deal not that long ago. Uh, me and my buddy were talking about it this past weekend. Um, I agree. Maybe, you know, you do need to shut a little bit of it, but that's no reason to keep a guy of that caliber or that talent as a mid-carder because he's one of the most explosive guys on the mic, one of the most explosive guys in the ring, and he can tell a believable story. And for a show that's lacking that at the top, you need all the help you can get there, in my opinion. I mean, the man can, the man's 300 pounds and can do a moonsault. He's, he's basically Vader. So right. what, what, what is Vince doing? <laughs> well, I think Vince is a little out of the times, you know, back going back to 2011, those uh, CM Punk promos, you know, basically Vince McMahon doesn't, you know, he's lost a touch with what professional wrestling is. And he's stuck in this eighties and early nineties mindset where you've got to be this gargantuan sized monster with muscles on top of muscles like warrior was, or like rock was, or like Hogan was. Um, but you know, times have changed people. The style of wrestling has changed. It's not sports entertainment. It's professional wrestling. So please stop calling it sports entertainment. It is professional wrestling. Everywhere else you go, they call it wrestling, not except WWE. That is another big grape I have that we'll say for another time. But my my goodness, I even lost my, my, my train of thought. But I just think Vince is out of touch with what a superstar should be in this day and age. And quite honestly, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing when Vince does step aside. Um that what Triple H and I think even Shane to a certain extent uh, can do. Cause I think Shane's a little more in tune with things as well. Um, as much as, you know, people bag on the authority on screen, I really think that they do a pretty good job off screen promoting the company, doing things for charity. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing the post Vince McMahon era. Uh, maybe that will um, bring to light some of these guys who have been stuck in the mid card and give them. All right, guys. Now the NFL week one is in the books. Uh, we're going to get to some tribe talk. Um, Mr. Rain, Josh Donaldson, made his Tribe debut yesterday. He did go 0 for 4, but he'd hit a few balls to the warning track, showed uh, showed that there is some pop in that bat. With J.D. in the lineup, the Indians had a current formal all-star at all nine positions yesterday. I think that's pretty remarkable, Jay. You know, and and that's a testament to the Tribe, uh, the our front office and organization. It looks like they're cashing in chips right now to uh, get us to where we want to be, the World Series, and having another parade in, in Cleveland. Man, wouldn't that be awesome? I think you and I would be the first two down there to watch a Cleveland Indians parade down there. Man, I, I would love to go down there. I will freeze my my rear end off, but I will enjoy watching that World Series trophy march its way through Cleveland, Tito holding it up, Frankie holding it up. Man, that would be a sight to be seen. If we won whatever game that ended, if it ended in game four, five, or six, as soon as that game ended, I would be downtown sitting on the parade route waiting for the parade to start. I don't care when it starts. I'll, I'll be sitting there waiting. Well, we should probably do a podcast first before we get down there and get trampled. You know, we could do it right there from our tent when we're sitting there on the parade route. You know, We won't wuss out like a like somebody I won't say his name did during the Cavs parade and went inside because he got scared. Oh, no. Okay. no I hope not. I, I know, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> whose uh, co-host, shout out to Nate Hay because he asked me to do this, whose co-host ate horse poop this week. Oh, gross. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Just... I mean, it took him long enough, but thats I won't name them by name because it's not worth it. They're not worth it to me. I'm not a fan of their show anymore. Um, but the fact that you said something as dumb as you would eat horse poop if the Browns took Baker Mayfield, and then you took three or four months to actually live up, more than that, to live up to your debt to the fan base uh, is shocking, and it just shows that you, like Vince Russo, are a douche. Why would you eat horse poop? He said, if the Browns draft Baker Mayfield, I'll eat horse poop. That's So when they drafted Baker Mayfield, that's... and this is a guy who blocked me on Twitter for, I didn't call him a name. I did not swear at this gentleman, and I'm, I'm not going to give him 
the benefit of the doubt. I'm not going to give him any name publicity here. He had a take one night that I just thought was outrageous and erroneous, erroneous. And I basically said, hey, big guy, why don't you go enjoy the rest of the night with your wife? And why don't you leave the real sports takes to the real professionals? And you got blocked for that. And I got blocked for that. <laughs> but he, he's eating horse poop. He's eating horse poop. I, I feel like you, you won the, that one. And the FCC wouldn't let him do it live on the air. They had to do it on their little content that they charge people for. Well, all the other radio stations let you listen to their other segments for free. These guys think they need to rip you off for, for that. But I'll get off my soapbox. You know, there. one thing real quick. Uh, the FCC does censor a lot of things, but uh, I like that they censor stupidity. Yes. I, I'm okay with that. Absolutely. So, um, And I guess he threw it up. He really didn't get it all the way down to me. If you're going to eat it there, buckaroo, you need to let it simmer in your mouth. And that, that's got to go all the way down. It can come back up, but I need to see <laughs> that go all the way down. Open your mouth so I can see that there's nothing there, and then you can unleash the heathens back up. But, man, that, that still doesn't count in uh, in my book. All right, but moving back to the tribe, um, you know, is something wrong with our ace, Corey Kluber, Jay? I mean, he struggled through one and two-thirds innings yesterday, four runs on five hits. Is this just Tito protecting his ace? Um, we're also going to be skipping his turn in the rotation next time. Josh Tomlin's getting the start this upcoming uh, uh, Saturday. What are your thoughts on where Corey Cooper is in this stage of the season? I think Corey Cooper is all right. I just think he's fatigued. I, I really, really feel that the man does deserve a, a well-needed uh, uh, spot skip, if however you want to want to define it. Um, it. It's a long season. It's a long grind. This is why they call it the dog days of summer, and the summer is just about over. I want Kluber healthy, and there's no need to push him um, if he's if he's struggling like that. I'm not even sure that it's it's anything more than just being tired. You know, maybe not even mentally there because it's just like these games don't matter anymore. Um, you know, they might matter for momentum, but to these guys, I, you know, as we've seen, they're able to turn it off and turn it on. Um, it worries us as a fan because, you know, we're like we want our team playing hot, red hot, but – Kluber deserves a rest, and I feel like Terry's given him a well-deserved rest after uh, after a well-done season. Right. I mean, he's so. pitched a lot of innings, thrown a lot of pitches since 2014, especially in the playoffs of 16 when he was our basically our, our one horse for, for a starter. Um, so I'm completely content with this. Um, maybe he is a little fatigued. We've seen in the past where maybe they pulled him early from a start where he was struggling. Um, I don't think he wins the Cy Young this year. I think that uh, Blake Snell is going to win the Cy Young, but we'll talk about that on another night. Um, but, you know, I agree. Francona is uh, protecting his ace. Uh, you got the playoffs coming. You want to set up your rotation, right? So Kluber can get uh, get that game one start. Um, but one thing that, the, that Tito did yesterday that I really didn't like is if you're going to have Kip as your starting center fielder, why in the world are we using a defensive replacement late in the game? I mean, to me, it's beneficial to see how Kip would handle certain situations in these regular season games that we've kind of deemed are meaningless at this point. And, you know, and this was my whole entire gripe when we first came on and we first signed on and we talked about this was Greg Allen is a great center fielder. Kip is is I don't even know what he is. I can't even give him a, a description to, as a center fielder because he hasn't played it that much. So to 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 play this defensive replacement stuff, it makes no sense to me. This is basically a pride move for Jason Kipnis and nothing more. It's. It's not a good move at all. It's not a baseball move. It's it's nothing that makes sense to me. And and I and I'm in agreement with you that it, it, if you're gonna do it, why why have him start at all? 
Right. You know, I mean, if you're going to put him in and maybe in the situation they did, if you're losing or you're tied, you have to keep getting this in there because you want him in for his bat. Fine. If you've got a lead and you want to insert Greg Allen in the eighth and ninth inning where he's not coming up in the order, I'm okay with that. But save that for the postseason. I didn't need to see that in the regular season. I need Kip to get as many innings as he can out in center field to get comfortable with it. Plain and simple. Um, Tito mentioned, and this is going to be music to your ears, my friend. You were uh, hoping for this. You were banging on your drum last week for this. Tito's going to go with a four-man rotation in the playoffs. That being said, assuming Trevor Bauer is healthy, who's your four-man rotation for the playoffs? Uh, right off the top of my head, I'm going uh, Kluber, Carrasco, assuming Bauer is uh, ready, Bauer, and then Clevenger. Um, if you get into a scenario where you have to go back around, I would not be opposed to having Kluber start and then Bieber coming in close after if he gets in trouble. But my formation sits with Kluber, Carrasco, Bauer, and Clevenger. Those are the horses that are doing it. They 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 have the most veteran experience, and their ERAs are pretty low. And they're doing they're they're, they're clicking on all cylinders. And even though we just said Kluber's tired, these are the guys I want taking the ball in each one of these games. I think uh, I would change my rotation up just slightly. Um, if Trevor comes back in enough time, and we're running out of time, but if he proves to you if he can get a start in before the end of the regular season and prove to you that he's healthy and his velocity is there and his command is there and his stamina is there, is it, you know, everything. I would go Kluber one, mm-hmm. Bauer two, okay. Carrasco three, okay. and Clevenger four. And then Bieber's going to come in in early relief if one of those guys gets in trouble early. Okay. Uh, the, and, the, and, I, and I like what you did. The reason why I go with uh, Trevor Bauer third game, um, you, you do that because one is your most important because you got to get you want to start one and L. Two is kind of your – uh, your, your 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 game that you can lose. And and you don't like to hear that in the playoffs, but it's a game that you can lose. So to have Carrasco there, you don't waste a good chip like Bauer just in case you have to save yourself in game three um and in and, and that first series. So you, you want you want Bauer to, to be your bookend. You want Kluber and Bauer to be your kind of your bookend so that there may either he's Bauer's either getting you to the next round or he's saving you from being eliminated so that we can get back to Chloe Cooper. Well, let me ask you this. And if, 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 if we would go five, or, or all, all rounds are seven now, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I, the ALDS yeah, is, only, is, is, only is only five. five. So, yeah. yeah. So in that in that case, then, you're going to have Cooper come back on, on normal rest, and that's okay. But if you go to the – even if you go to the ALCS, yeah, then Bauer would get a second start. So, yeah, I actually, you know, I'm okay with that. I think the Indians can't lose either way uh, with that rotation. And the bullpen's really starting to uh, – come together i gotta give cody allen his props last last few times out he's gone seven and two thirds innings struck out 10 walked a a few giving up a few hits but no earned runs cody allen his velocity's back his movement is back his changeup is back his curveball is back cody allen's throwing the ball right now and it's like he heard us which is which is crazy it's it's like he heard the rant we went on that cody allen it's time for you to step up or get off this team and he he's out here only allowing in the in the in the past week he's only allowing a 200 average which is a sub some somewhat normal uh for batters in major leagues now but to me that's still that's still a Mendoza line for pitching that's great to me that's that's Cy Young caliber pitching for me in the past the past 7 days and then Andrew Miller came off the DL and I mentioned this before he went back on the DL in our, in our first show but I thought Andrew Miller was throwing the ball a lot better before he went on the DL this past time he came back and made a and made Quick work of the Tampa Bay Rays striking out guys. That slider was 
moving again. His fastball, he was spotting it. Andrew Miller is back, and it couldn't have come at a better time for this ball club. Yeah, and he came back and he looked dominated. He had, uh, you know, you know, two two innings, four strikeouts. So you know, if, and getting two outs by strikeout each inning is what what you you want to see out of your bullpen. So uh, it's great to see you know long legs back uh, d- d- doing the thing out there on the mound. Uh, it, it's given me a lot of hope for our bullpen that Terry Francona may be able to go back to. Get me six, and we're we're winning this game, right? And shout out to Shane Bieber. We talked about it before. He had he has gone out and gotten his ninth and his tenth win of the season. So now we have five starters now with ten wins, which is an amazing accomplishment for this for this baseball team. And I tell you, Shane Bieber has been a godsend for this for this ball club this year. How about Shane Bieber with seventeen strikeouts this week? That uh, in his in, last two starts, his last two starts, seventeen strikeouts. Where did this man come from again? Our front office and the tribe system is is doing work, and and I love it. And Shane Bieber is going to be a star in the coming years. I I love Shane Bieber. Uh, I love what he's doing. Uh, he's he's going to give us some options in the off season to to make some decisions and and basically form our rotation to be dominant for uh, for the years to come. Right. Um, one thing that I'm still really concerned about um, and is is Jose Ramirez. I still think he's slumping a little bit. Um, he did get the only hit the Indians got. We record on Wednesdays. The Indians played early today. Uh, home run, 38th of the season. I mean, 38 home runs. But to me, I think, and I've watched a lot of tri baseball this week, I think his swing is a little long. I think he's trying too hard to get out of this slump. Yeah, and and it's something that Frank Kona has to get with him and and, and, his, and the, and the uh, batting coach has to get with him and just say, hey, just be who you are. Uh, be the fun-loving guy that protects the zone and hits good pitches and lays off the bad ones that and that's what made him so so dangerous right uh that that the only pitch he was hitting was the one that he wanted to hit and you're right he he looks like a guy that's trying to hit everything Lindor does that too uh the exact same thing when Lindor starts to slump he swings at everything and right. it, you know Jose Ramirez has to get back to playing with inside himself and controlled and controlled chaos that he is so I do think he's trying too hard, and and I hope he gets back to form soon because we need him. We we don't need that that team we had last year that didn't know how look like they knew how to hit a ball. Right. We need, we need we need our bats back. We need our bats back. With our magic number at uh, three still after today's loss, the Twins do have a a game tonight, um, and we don't have the score as as of this recording. Um, but I think once you get the division wrapped up. You need to take a good hard look at giving Lindor and Ramirez, and I know those are the two of the top three guys in your lineup. Give them two or three days off. I agree. And let them find it. Let them chill out. Let them relax. Because if you're moving Kluber back a start, that's like giving Jose and Frankie two or three days off in a row. And, yeah, they like to play every day, but I don't care about anything once we've clinched this division. I need you guys ready and right for the playoffs. Take that time off. You deserve it. Let Tito give it to you. In fact, Tito, just make him do it. Um, and I think it's going to help this team leaps to balance because they're not going to go anywhere if those two guys aren't right come October. Yeah, I think you just need to take some time uh, and, and sit back and 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 just kind of enjoy the work you did, enjoy the season, have some have some seeds, watch the game, and and just hang out, go in the cage, and, and work on your drills and fundamentals so that you can get back to being the dominant hitters that that you are you know, wants to play off start, you know, I, I got to have my guys back. I can't have you fatigued from the season going into the playoffs. And, and regardless if you're, you're a super athlete or not, everybody gets tired. So 
I, I just need Jose. I need Lindor. I need everybody. I need Encarnacion, even Josh Donald. I need you guys to, to, to get healthy, get relaxed, get focused, get back to who you guys are that got us to where we are. Right. And one, one more thing I want to say about the tribe before uh, we're going to get out tonight is uh, Buster only tweeted something out this past week. And I think you saw it too, that the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Astros were all whining and complaining about the way the Indians got Josh Donaldson. But the Indians have the worst record of the division leaders. They get first dibs at any of those kinds of players. And by the way, the Indians are stepping up and paying the three or four million he has left on his, on his deal. But not one of your teams placed a claim on this guy. And you guys can spend and spend, with the exception of Houston, Boston, New York. You can spend and spend and spend. You guys wipe your butts with $100 bills. And you're telling me you're going to get mad that we were able to add a caliber player like that that late in the, in the, in the game? That's good for us. You guys you guys got well, – who did the Yankees add? Andrew McCutcheon? Mm-hmm. The uh, Red Sox have added a couple of arms. And you're going to tell me you're going to get upset because our Indians were able to add a steal at the waiver wire with your payrolls? Get out of here. That's not even an argument for me. You should be ashamed of yourselves. <laughs> and, and and kind of some of the things I was reading about what they were mad about, uh, they were mad because Donaldson was presumably healthy to, to come. And, and, and many people may not know, you're not allowed to make trades for injured players at all. It's off the books. You can't even claim them on waivers no matter what. So they were they were a little bit perturbed that the Indians got Donaldson and then immediately put him on the – designated you know disabled yeah the disabled list so the thing about it was is we we retroactively put it on him he was already came here and started doing his rehab starts and then played immediately so essentially we put it retroactive that he was on the disabled list with the blue jays so none of that mattered now the astros did reach out to major league baseball apparently whatever major league baseball told them they were content with it's only the Yankees and the Red Sox that are that are having a problem with it. But why are you guys worried about us? We're not going to face you. We got to go through the Astros first. The Astros are cool with it. They're going to man up. So what's the problem, the Yankees, Red Sox? Are you scared that you that the Indians are coming for you? Because we are. And Didi Gregorius isn't going to get you through this time. I'm just letting you know that right now. Right. Well, my man, I would have to say uh... – Tonight, I think uh, we started to hit our stride a little bit. Uh, this was a fun show. I it, had a blast. This was a fun show. Uh, it, you know, we we are out here kicking butt, and and you know, I, I'm I'm exhausted, but I am having so much fun. It, it is it is awesome to do, um, and and I'm I'm glad that we are finally hitting our stride. Uh, I'm hoping for more shows like this and everything like that because this is fun to talk. Yeah, and the sky's the limit for this man. It really is. I really think uh, we can do good things with this. Um, but you know, like we said, guys, hit us up on Twitter at J J A E underscore T K. Download that Anchor app. Leave us a voicemail. We'll put it on the air. Any questions you guys have for us? Uh, T K and J Show at yahoo.com. Please hit us up. Make blow our social media up. Blow our phones up. We want to hear from you. We want to hear what's important to you. Um, we want to hear what you guys think. What your takes are because this show is just as much ours as it is yours. Absolutely, and. Uh, we're, we're going to start hounding you. We're going to just start chasing you out. And then we're going to just walk up with the mic and just say, what do you think of this? Because we want your input. TK and Jay on the street. Uh-oh. <laughs> Who knows what they're going to come up with next. All right, guys. So uh, that's it for this edition of the TK and Jay show. We look forward to catching you guys next week. Remember, we are now on Apple Podcasts. We are on the Google Podcasts. We are on 
Anchor. We are on many different platforms that are out there. There is a way to find us. If you're unsure, hit us up on social media. We'll tweet a link out to you so that way you can catch us. Um, next week's show, we're definitely going to recap the Browns uh, game out there in uh, New Orleans. Yep. The Indians should have wrapped up a division by the time we uh, see you guys next. Yep. Um, and who knows what geek stuff we might get into. All that next week on the TK and J Show. We'll see you guys later. Have a good week. From parts unknown, this is the TK and J Show. Now, here are your hosts, TK and J. From parts unknown, this is the TK and J Show. Now, here are your hosts, TK and Jay.